Campaign advisor James Carville famously said during Bill Clinton's campaign, it's the economy, stupid. Are you paying attention yet? TNN is. We're the Truth News Network. And your master of talking straight is Dan Newman. Have you noticed in politics, things keep coming around and around and around. You may change the year You may change the candidates. You can change all of that. But politics is politics, flat out. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. And, of course, we're ending the week together, and we want to thank you for that. Boy, are things moving at lightning pace in Washington, D.C. We're going to pull back some of the blinders, some of the things that have been covered up for you today. And I mean that. Things that you may not have any idea about, but they're important, especially for us to know about. Get ready. like that song. 
I guess that's a one-hit wonder. Robbie Dupree is the artist. Real simple message, but it sounds cool. Well, sounding cool and being cool are two different things. I don't know about you what part of the United States or your country you're listening in from, but the southern part of the United States really has seen a debacle that we weren't prepared for. We don't get single-digit temperatures in Louisiana. We just don't. And then it stayed there for days and days. You should, for those of you that are nowhere around Louisiana or around Shreveport, you don't know this, but it was chaotic. Our infrastructure in the South does not include getting ready for ice. Now, one would think, because we have troubles pretty often in the winter, because we get here, we don't get just, boom, snow when it gets cold. Ours is a process. It rains and rains and rains, and everything gets covered with water. It's the temperature begins to fall, and at least once every other year, it's not just beginning to fall and kind of very nicely going down. It'll be 50 degrees. You go to bed, and the next morning you wake up. It's rained most of the night, and the temperature when you get up is 20 degrees. So what does that mean for all that rainwater on the streets? You know what it is. It's ice. And you just simply got to get off the road when the ice is there. There is no friendship between the two, cold weather and ice on the streets, believe me. But we're getting back to normal, and I'm excited about that. Well, what was I referencing when I opened the show today about a lot of little bitty tidbits? We're going to get into that. I think many people in Washington, D.C. especially, they like for there to be a lot of balls of attention grabbers up in the air at the same time. You know why? Because when that happens, they don't get called out on a lot of the stuff that people aren't paying attention to. And they get a free ride for a little while, a day or two. And when that happens, most people forget about other things and concentrate on the things that are making the most noise. And the left and the media have perfected that process. And they double down and triple down on it. And they do a really good job. And we just lose focus. Let me ask you this morning. What's going on in the war between Hamas and Israel? How many people were killed yesterday in the war? And I'm, I'm not asking you to give me an answer. I'm pointing out a confirmation of what I just said. That war is still going on over there. We used to, when it first began, it was every day, all day long. We're getting reports out of the Gaza Strip. We're getting reports out of the West Bank about the horror show that's happening there. And all of a sudden, we don't even want to talk about it. There's no mention. Why is that? They're controlling the narrative of what you and I hear and see. And don't ask me why. Just know that's a fact. And then kind of think it through. Pay attention, but don't obsess about things. I mean, there's nothing you or I can do about what's going on over there except want to hear about it and, you know, support people that we may know there. Check on them and see if they're okay. I've got a friend over there that's in the Israeli military in the intelligence division. And I've reached out to him a couple of times just to say, hello, we're praying for you. 
I hope everything's okay. And he's responded in one of those. But we're not going to get the facts. The American people are not going to know what's going on in Israel day by day, minute by minute, horror after horror. We're not going to know about any of that unless the left media can use it against any of their political foes. Wait a minute, you said media. Media is not supposed to have, no media outlet supposed to have political foes. Well, that is a fact. That's the way it's supposed to be. But I probably don't need to point out to you, they don't go by the book, whoever wrote the book. They've got a version of their own. And they don't give a rip about professionalism, being unbiased, being nonpartisan in their reporting. They don't think about that. I was asked, literally, yesterday afternoon in a phone call, what else is going on in the world besides the things they want us to see and hear about? I was asked that question. And it just made me think, you know what? There are things out there that are important that we're not being told about it. So how do we find out about it? This particular man is in the ministry that asked me this. And he was referencing a revival that is going on, a pretty big deal for Christianity in the United States, a big get-together. 40,000 people turn out for an unscheduled meeting for prayer and fasting. 40,000. Now, what does that tell you? Well, I'm a Christian. Our church, twice a year, we do a 21-day period of prayer and fasting. And we're in the middle of that. We do it twice a year, once at the beginning of the year, once in the fall, every year. And it's a great thing to do because for 21 days, you make a commitment. You're going to fast. You're going to pray for things that are going on. And the focus that you would otherwise be putting on things like we talk about every day here, news items, and the little stuff that is necessarily not unimportant, but it dominates our thoughts, our time, and to get away from that for a little bit. 40,000 in one meeting that wasn't called, they just started getting together. 40,000 people. It's in an an arena in Georgia. Have you heard about it in the news? I haven't either. How much of events, maybe not that big or maybe not that kind of event, But just think about how much they're not telling us about. And, you know, left, leftists, people on the left, Democrats primarily, they're using the Hitler word. They're using killing democracy phrase. They're using all kinds of weapons against us. And much of that stuff is not truthful. It's not applicable. But they're using it as a weapon to shape the narrative of what you and I see. They don't want us to know about other things, good things that might be happening, unless they can claim they're the reasons for the good things happening. Everything's weaponized. This uses ammunition. And that's the evil, in my opinion, of politics. Politics. Who came up with that term? Who invented that process where... You create an environment that rules the lives of people, and you know what's going to happen in that certain thing. 
every time it comes up. Somebody's going to jump in the middle of it, get in a place of responsibility, want to take over and be the arbiter of everything in that social structure they put together. And it's just one layer after another layer building an environment in which people can control. And when you get into that, you get totally 180 degrees away from what this country was founded to be. Very simply, it's a we the people thing. It's not those the politician things. It was structured for the people to own and control the operating processes of our central government. Boy, did we get away from that. Nobody in D.C. wants to talk about it. I'll give you an example. Mike Johnson, House Speaker now, before he became Speaker, uh, actually it was his um, the night of him being appointed Speaker. He gave a speech and he talked about the fundamental things in his life. And he said something that um, it just shocked a lot of people. Talking about Joe Biden being president. I want you to listen to this press person. I don't know who it is, what affiliation he has and what media outlet, but he references what Mike Johnson said in that speech and he explains it. So be nonpartisan here. Open your ears and just listen to the question and listen to his answer. We have to make sure that changes. Yes, sir. Do you believe that Joe Biden's presidency is God's will? Let me stop it there for a second. Did you hear it? Do you think that Joe Biden being president is God's will? Is Joe Biden's presidency God's will? Oh, I know where you're going with this. Okay, so I, I said I said in my in my speech uh, before I took the gavel um, that look, I'm I'm a Bible believing Christian, right? Bible believing Christian believes what the Bible says, right? The Bible says that uh, God is the one that raises up people in authority. I believe God is sovereign. By the way, so did the founders. I quoted the Declaration of Independence. They acknowledge that our rights don't come from government; they come from God, and we're made in in, in His image. Everybody's made uh, the same. We all are are, uh, are, are given equal. Uh, rights and value, and that's something that we defend. So if you believe all those things, uh, then you believe that um, God is the one that allows people to be raised in authority. Uh, it, it, it must have been God's will then. Gen Z Congressman Maxwell Frost, <laughs> in an attempt to stick it to the racist Republicans who believe in borders, little Maxie's suggesting that the... That is not the story. The first part of that was. You heard the reporter confront Mike Johnson for calling out when he became House Speaker, the statement he made that Joe Biden being president is God's will. The explanation is, if you're a Christian, you believe people that are put in a place of authority are there, and it's God's will. We believe, Christians believe, that God is cognizant and is in leadership, maybe not accepted by many, but is of the circumstances of living on earth. And throughout history, the structure is governments, whatever kind of government it is, and the people that are in it are the ones that govern, set the rules in place, and be uh, accountable to the people, their citizens, themselves, 
and they take care of all the little tidbits that fall from that particular layer of living, and they put them out, break them down, and put them in place so that everything clicks. In the United States, it's even bigger than that. Now, just for a second, forget about the God issue. I don't want to forget about the God issue. That's not what I'm saying we need to do. What I'm saying is this is supposed to be, was established as, and is still supposed to be, government of the people, government for the people, and government by the people, period. And so in that structure, which when Jesus walked the earth, in that particular structure, there are separate powers, but the people in those sectors that they impact all work together for the good of the whole. The left doesn't like that. You know why? You know why you're hearing these constant cries. In fact, we've just automatically accepted it now that that's the way it is. Democracy. America is a democracy. It's not. It's not. Were you with us the other day when you heard the explanation from that country boy, Billy? He explained why the United States is not a democracy. It was founded to be a representative republic. Within a representative republic, there is democracy in the fact that everybody is in charge of the government and its operation equally. In a democracy, that's not the case. There is a ruling class in a democracy And the ruling class, all they are charged to be able to do is set up a structure. But every person that lives in that country has equal rights and must weigh in on everything that is part of running that government. Can you imagine in the United States of America, if we were a pure democracy, what it would be like? We'd be in a voting booth once or twice a week, because we, the people, would have to weigh in on anything before the government can do anything. Now, that sounds like a great idea. If we had that, we'd miss a lot of this insanity that we're having to deal with. But in a representative republic, it takes away the possibility of a power structure that wants to and gets to whatever measures it takes to get there, they get there and they control everything. Mob rule. So this is why we are hearing the cries incessantly about Donald Trump and Republicans. They are fascist. They want to control everything. Now think back a little bit. Think back when we struggled through that COVID-19 pandemic, when all of the screaming and finger-pointing was going on. That was all, and don't get me wrong, I know COVID is real. I have personal friends that died of COVID-19. I'm not diminishing it. I'm diminishing the process that was used, at least in part, 
to see if Americans would be willing to go back to a democracy. But you know what a democracy is? And it almost always throughout history it turns into if it's not there at the beginning? Think about it. Totalitarianism. Mob rule. Whoever has the greatest number of like-minded thinkers that identify with them, they ultimately take control and use that control to control the actions of everybody. That's what the left is rooting for, and they want to call that philosophy democracy. It's not. We live in a representative republic. The people own everything in our government. But you and I, we don't live in a democracy, so we don't have to get personally involved in every decision. So what do we do? How do we do it? We elect, we the people, elect those who are going to Washington, D.C. to create the law and to function and make sure everything within the law is being done. And those who go out and try to do other things are held accountable when that happens. Our government's broken right now. There's no question about it. But it's not because of democracy. It's because of the push for mob rule. That's why the Democrats are clapping their hands and screaming in excitement every day when they get the numbers. 20,000 people came across the southern border this morning. That is their purpose and plan about what the Biden administration is doing and governing. Flooding our nation with people that will buy into mob rule that the Biden administration has been trying to quietly implement. It was supposed to happen during Trump's four years. Trump wasn't supposed to have four years. When he beat Hillary Clinton, their plans to push in more mob rule and take more centralized control over the government, it was broken. They got a slap in the face. And so Donald Trump comes in, he immediately reverts back to a pure republic representative government that even the hardcore lefties had been pushing across before Donald Trump faced Hillary Clinton. They were ramping it up in layers to just cement the control, dig in deeper, go wider with their philosophies, and all of a sudden we would all wake up one day and they had filled our country with dependent personalities and people that would come here just because it's a better place than where they were, and once they got here, everything in their lives would be taken care of. By who? The mob. That's what's going on right now. And the media want to denigrate Mike Johnson for being a Christian and actually saying because Joe Biden is in office, that's God's will. According to the Bible, that's exactly right. We're supposed to pray for those in charge over us too. It's not that complicated. Anytime they push for anything, hard, 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 look behind them. 
Look at what they're really doing and what they really want. And you're going to find back there, this administration from top to bottom, there may be a stray or two within their ranks, but they like the fact they're in charge and they want to get more in charge over us and everything in our lives. Literally, they want us to have no choice, no options other than to listen to and do whatever we're told. Not trying to scare you on Friday, just trying to clear away a little of the fog so that we can all understand what we're really dealing with. This morning, you heard from Mike Johnson. Jesse Jesse Waters last night, he did a piece that I thought was very, very salient. And I want to hear or let you hear what he had to say and how it pertains to what really happened in Iowa, the Iowa caucus. Mainstream media is not talking much about this particular thing. Got that and much more. Sit tight. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. to get on top of all the information and make sure you get good stuff. A lot of gets lost in the cracks. Don't want to go away from the important things and not let you know. I don't know if you heard, but Hunter Biden and the Republicans in the House have agreed to a congressional 
depositions coming up now in early February. It will be a closed-door meeting in Congress. But I was really shocked when he agreed to do that. I'm sure they have something or know something that was bad that would happen if he didn't get to a point where he would agree to go sit with Congress. But that's going to happen. Here's my thoughts on all this. You know, there's everybody knows they're after Trump. They want to keep him from even thinking about being back in the White House. In fact, they want him convicted and jailed before the election. That's the only way they see, they know. If they can't get Donald Trump out of the picture, they're going to lose their control that they have created and have so far now to have control in government. And if Donald Trump comes back to the White House, he's just going to go back to where he finished his first term as on all things government-related, and they don't think they'll ever recover. Remember, this show, when the 2016 election was coming up, I made the statement at that particular time, none of this noise was out there. But I said this, if Donald Trump can't remain president for more than four years, we'll never get our country back. Look what he did in those four years. And then look what Joe Biden has done to rip all that apart and take us to another letter, an even deeper layer of horror and control and fascism. And these people are doing it themselves and blaming Donald Trump and mega Americans as being fascist with former President Trump. In fact, there's this there's this thing that's being said out there. It's been being said for years. If Democrats are screaming and hollering against somebody and accusing them of doing something, you can bet the Democrats are either doing it now, have done it, or will do it when they get a shot. It's just human nature. That's all it is. So we got that going on with Hunter and um, World Economic Forum. We've heard all week long about Davos, Switzerland. It's where the elite go. They fly in their private jets, and their number one thing is climate change, climate change. Well, most of the U.S. is in a deep freeze. you got to admit that. We saw temperatures here we, we see once every five or six years, if at all. So where's the climate change? Where is all of the conversation? You know, the factual scientific stuff they tell us they know about climate change. We had single-digit temperatures in Louisiana. That doesn't happen. So while we're shivering in the U.S., bone-chilling cold, guess what's happening to the rest of the world? Warm weather. U.S. in deep freeze, while much of the world is extra toasty. Yep, yet again, it's caused by climate change. (laughs) However strange it sounds, That contradiction, it fits real snugly when you talk about what climate change is doing to the earth. In a map of global temperatures the last few days, big chunks of the world, the Arctic, Asia, parts of Africa, the Middle East, and South America, they show up on the world map, climate map, as dark red, signifying more than a dozen degrees Fahrenheit, warmer than the late 20th century average. 
So the temperatures on Earth right now are warm. But the U.S. stands out like a cold thumb, a deep bluish purple that is just as out of whack, but on the other side, the frigid side. Wind chills in parts of North Dakota, they got to 70 degrees, 70 degrees below zero. While the heat index in Miami was more than 160 degrees warmer at 92 degrees. The fourth coldest NFL football game. It happened in Kansas City. While across the globe, the thermometer hit a blistering 92 degrees, 12 degrees warmer than average. Last Friday, during the tennis Australian Open in Melbourne, Australia, warm temperature records fell overnight in Aruba, parts of Argentina, Oman, and Iran. Where weather is warmer than usual, it was happening both in the Southern Hemisphere, which is summer right now, and in the Northern Hemisphere, which is in winter. For example, Oman, I've been to Muscat, Oman, in the north of Oman, they had their warmest July night ever at 80 degrees. Argentina in the south had a record for warmest January night at 81 degrees. If it seems as if the world's gone topsy-turvy, in a way it has, more than even in the political landscape. Because all of this comes from what's happening in the Arctic, where it used to be warming twice as fast as the rest of the world. But now it's warming three to four times faster. When the Arctic is off the charts warm, like it is right now, we're more likely to see frigid cold invade places like Texas that cannot because they're ill-equipped to deal with it. That's coming from Jennifer Francis, one of those climate experts. Rapid Arctic warming is one of the clearest symptoms of human-caused climate change, making winter extremes more likely even as the globe warms overall. The way the coal is invading is through a weather phrase that's becoming increasingly familiar here. They're talking about every day now, the polar vortex. It's a weather term that goes back to 1853, but it's only been frequently used in the past decade or so. That could be because the icy stabs are now happening more often. The polar vortex is strong, icy weather that usually stays over the top of the planet, pinned in by strong winds that whip around that part of the globe. It's like an ice skater spinning rapidly with arms tucked in. But when the polar vortex weakens, the arms start flailing out, the skater slips, and all the cold air then gets released away from the center of the polar vortex. This current cold outbreak is consistent with Arctic change in the polar vortex. What was found is when the polar vortex stretches like a rubber band, severe extreme winter weather is much more likely in the United States. That's where it tends to be focused. And in January, we have an extreme case of that stretching of the polar vortex. Now, all that is Greek to me. Did you catch it all? You heard it, I guarantee you. You haven't put it in your memory bank and analyzed it yet. So what does this all mean? It goes back to this same thing that has always been in place, our climate. What controls the climate? Who controls the climate? 
And can anybody change the climate? Well, first of all, I don't know who controls the climate, if there's anybody that does. I don't know anybody that can fix it. But it all boils down to this. What's happening is part of life on earth. I think God created the earth, period. Accepted that when I was a kid. There's a reason for everything. And who ever, ever tells you that they know what and why and how the climate is changing, immediately dismiss them because they don't know what they're talking about. For every one person that says we're in the middle of global warming, there's another person that says absolutely not, and these both are so-called climatologist experts. They don't know. And, of course, what happens? Where do we go with that? We go to Davos <laughs> because their original thing and the number one common thing they all have is climate change. Now, we've, we've talked enough this week about the people that are at Davos and what they're there and what they're saying and why they're there. Those are the obvious things, the things that are factual. So the heritage the president of the Heritage Foundation was invited to speak to Davos. Now, the people over there, they're all elites, and you have to be invited to go there. You've got to be plugged in. You've got to be filthy rich. You've got to be sold into climate stuff, crap that you believe along with other people that believe the same crap. Globalist elites, and they have begun to demand that they know everything about climate. The president of the Heritage Foundation, he got invited to go and he got invited to speak. And this, this message that this guy gave those elites over there, I've never heard anybody make a better explanation and explain it. But he in Davos, Switzerland, He's way out of his place. Listen to this. One thing that Davos, you might say, and the people come here stand up for is liberal democracy. It's laughable that you would, or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. I'll be candid here because I think I've been invited here to be candid. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change. The solutions, the average person know, cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating than do the problem and the problems themselves. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at, at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global South. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. 
The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. Let me just correct the, uh, the slight assertion you made there. We want Ukraine to win. We want to see Ukraine win with a lot more help from European allies. I think the United States has a role. Heritage has been clear about this for two years now that we, there is a world in which we support military aid for Ukraine. Our first obligation in foreign policy is to look at it through the lens of what's best for the American citizen. Joe Biden has done a god-awful job in articulating what that is. The kind of person who will come into the next conservative administration is going to be governed by one principle, and that is destroying the grasp that political elites and unelected technocrats have over the average person. And if I may, I will be candid and say that the agenda that every single member of the administration needs to have is to compile a list of everything that's ever been proposed at the World Economic Forum and object (laughs) all of them wholesale. Those words are pretty serious. I think you agree. But it explains a lot. He's talking to the monster when he gave that speech. The monster is the collective that dominates and owns, or at least they think they own, the narrative and the truth on anything and everything to do with any person on the planet. I don't know where they feel like they got the power to do that. I guess they think it's in numbers. Tedros, the director general of the World Health Organization, he got up and into the conversations at the uh, World Economic Forum. And he was asked, when are you going to release disease X? That was a slap in the face, but there really is a disease X. And he explained what that means. Disease X is technically a hypothetical construct that's used to define a non-existent disease-slash-virus that's 20 times more deadly than COVID-19. Here's what he said. Disease X is a placeholder for an unknown disease. Although COVID came immediately, we were preparing for COVID-like disease. You may even call COVID as the first disease X, and it may happen again. Tedros Davos being the first disease X. Although COVID came immediately, we were planning for it. There's just one problem, though. According to Dr. Peter McCullough, who's been on this show, scientists are hoping to create disease X. They want to create it in a laboratory. And they want and plan to and have been using gain-of-function research. So if you're like me, when this all came up, I'm still asking the question, everybody, it's discussed. Why do they want to develop it that way? Gain-of-function research. Try to make that virus even more powerful. Here's the answer. They want to be able to develop a vaccine for the hypothetical but deadly disease. That's the excuse they've been using. And I think it is unquestionable at this point that 
COVID-19 was originated through gain-of-function research in the Wuhan laboratory in Wuhan, China. And I believe it accidentally slipped out. Disease X is not a real disease. It's a concept of can scientists use gain-of-function research and make a serious disease in the lab and then make a vaccine to it, he says. He's explaining it. At least that's their explanation. He calls this a strategy. And what scientists say, we want to get ahead of nature, try to anticipate what nature's going to do, potentially evolve and then create this new pathogen in the lab and have the vaccine all ready to go. Boy, that sounds like a novel idea. Fortune tellers. We want to make it happen in the lab, so that means, in effect, they're saying, we know how to make the disease. So why, if they know that, and they're going to strengthen it, make it more powerful, why do they need to make it more powerful if they already know what's going to happen? That's the part that makes the Davos elitist and their way they operate and function and think that's what makes it happen. Today, the World Economic Forum has a whole session on this, he said. And what people are really worried about is creation of all these pathogens in the lab and then having another security breach. And then we're getting off to the world being sick again. And here's where things get even more spicy. Some critics believe that the WHO, in concert with other globalists, have already created disease X and are just waiting to release it at the right time. Now, fast forward to this week, Davos. He was asked, he was asked this. I told you that that reporter asking this, when do you plan on releasing Disease X? Event 201 basically simulated the coronavirus pandemic before it happened, and then it happened. So I have a feeling that you kind of know when this disease X is coming. The slogan for the World Economic Forum agenda this year is rebuilding trust. Surely to rebuild trust, you should answer these questions, he asked. So here's a question for you. Why'd they name this Event 201? It's a simulated tabletop pandemic exercise. And you know where it started? Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that they hosted in October of 2019, only months before, drumroll, COVID-19. Event 201 was a three-and-a-half-hour pandemic tabletop exercise. It simulated a series of dramatic, scenario-based, facilitated discussions confronting difficult, true-to-life dilemmas associated with response to a hypothetical but scientifically plausible pandemic. Now, that's a written description of what the event 201 is all about. Fifteen global business, government, and public health leaders were players in the simulation exercise It highlighted unresolved real-world policy and economic issues that could be solved with sufficient political will, financial investment, and attention now 
and in the future. The description continues. When I read this, I went nuts. Who the heck are these people that think they are endowed and have the permission to do this in the name of citizens of Earth? And when they come up with it, they determine what they think should happen, how the response to any of this should be handled, and they just assume because they're them and they did this, they have the solo power to push it on every one of us on the globe. This is really happening. These people have lost their minds and they don't even know it. Just because you got a lot of money, just because you got a lot of political power, doesn't mean you're supposed to use it for any purpose that you want. I'm shocked that the Heritage Foundation president was even invited to go to Davos, but then to get up and speak, and he just summarily, you heard his speech, exactly what he said to him. It's not supposed to be about power. It's not supposed to be about political purposes and reasons at all. What we're supposed to be doing should be centered on one and only one thing. What's best for the people of Earth? And every process that these people and anybody else should be concentrating on is how to make things better. And politics never figures into that, if you're honest. But for them, it's all that matters. That's kind of horrible to think about. Let's move off of that. Let them do their deal in Davos. Let them fight over who knows what. And knowing all the while, they don't know what. Interesting news comes out on another Another front, national security experts are raising concerns over CIA Director William Burns, not Williams Burns today, but his previous involvement. He was involved with a D.C. institution that employed numerous Chinese Communist Party members. That was in light of his efforts to reorient the agency toward addressing the threat from China, we're told. Recent reports have shed light on the historic shift underway in the U.S. intelligence community, shifting to rebuild a network of human spies in China and outpace Beijing's adaption to a rapidly changing technological environment now. However, Burns previously headed a think tank that hired people in groups professing membership in the Communist Party, a fact that experts say raise red flags about Director Burns' credibility. It's kind of late to uh, come forward and deal with this. This should have been done when he was being considered for that role, don't you think? The interconnectivity does raise some concerns given the nature of the position and the duties there. Insider threats can manifest in even the most secure and trusted agencies. Before Biden tapped Burns to lead the CIA, the former diplomat served as president of the Carnegie Carnegie Endowment for International Peace from March 2015 to 2021. 
While he was there, the organization received up to $2 million in donations from, where do you think? A Chinese businessman who was a member of the two organizations linked to China's United Front Global Influence Operation. It's called the DCNF, previously reported. Carnegie also employed undisclosed Communist Party members from China while Burns was president. The key thing is, has a person awakened to the China threat or not? So the question of Bill Burns is whether he's changed his views of China, and he says he has. That's according to the Heritage Foundation president you just heard from Davos. Burns has recently signaled his toughness toward China. In speeches, Burns follows the Biden administration's pattern in referring to China as the United States' most threatening competitor. And he told Congress under oath at his 2021 confirmation hearing that adversarial predatory Chinese leadership poses our biggest geopolitical test. Have you noticed that every once in a while, all of these people of the leadership of these various uh, bureaus, operations, corporations that are dealing in uh, worldwide issues that impact the United States, and therefore these are the people that are supposed to keep up and make sure we're safe while all this is happening around us. Burns' oversight of a prominent think tank when he was doing it relied upon for for, uh, foreign policy suggestions and research by Washington's top officials, and every one of them embraced Chinese influence operative cast a shadow over Burns' efforts to guide these monumental changes in American intelligence. It all sounds convoluted when you talk about it, and it seems hard to understand. This is just a way to try to let Americans know things are not what we think they are in our government. I'll give you an example. Steve Baker Those of you that follow the show, you're here every Tuesday, if you can, the second hour. Steve Baker, our very own investigative journalist, has become, regarding real information, real responsibility evidence for anybody and everybody that got in trouble or should have gotten in trouble on January 6th. He's become the go-to guy. His latest, his latest revelation was published earlier this week. We published it on our site. And uh, I want to reference this. If, if, if you'll give me just a second, I want to go pull up the story. It's very brief, but it tells the entire story of this latest thing that has been uncovered by Steve Baker and made public this week. Give me a second, it's coming up. It's it's this one of the stories of January 6th that the government and their mainstream lapdogs, the mainstream media, just thought it wasn't any big deal and they tried to cover it up, but Americans wouldn't accept it, so they created a narrative and put it out there, and the narrative that was put out there, according to Steve Baker's video evidence that I've seen myself now, they lied to us. Video surveillance shows Secret Service and Washington Metro Police finished their lunches 
on January 6th before acting on the discovery of what they call the viable explosive device by a person previously identified as passerby. Now, this was the pipe bomb, the so-called pipe bomb that they found at the DNC, the Democrat National Committee headquarters. Blaze Media, that's Steve Baker now, he revealed that the person who discovered this pipe bomb at the Democrat National Committee headquarters was a U.S. Capitol Police plain clothes officer. Multiple congressional staffers who were familiar with the investigation have confirmed that despite months of the FBI stonewalling congressional committee's inquiries, they now know the identity of that individual that was previously only identified as passerby. Listen to this. At 1.05 in the afternoon on January 6th, this unidentified person who we know now who he is casually approached a D.C. Metropolitan Police vehicle that was parked in the DNC's parking ramp driveway near South Capitol Street, reportedly to inform police officers that he saw what appeared to be a bomb. Wearing dark clothes and a backpack, this individual can be seen in the video that's published on this story that we published uh, January 18th, yesterday. You can check it out for yourself. So wearing a a backpack, he can be seen in a video posted on Republican Kentucky Representative Thomas Massey's YouTube channel, first speaking to an officer on the driver's side. He then casually walked around to the passenger side window where he leaned in to chat with somebody for several seconds. Again, in no apparent hurry, the person walks around the driver's side of an adjacently parked Black Secret Service SUV for a conversation with that vehicle's occupants. The SUV was parked only about 15, 20 feet from the location of where the alleged bomb was supposed to be. The Secret Service vehicle, it was part of a motorcade. Now, what motorcade would there be at the DNC in the afternoon, early afternoon of January 6th. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was in the DNC building. Now, what was she supposed to be doing that day? Well, she was still a U.S. senator, and it was required for every member of Congress, especially the Senate, to be at the Capitol because that was a day when they were doing what they had to do every four years is confirm the election results and seat all the people that had been elected for the various posts in Congress. Well, despite extensive media coverage of those two pipe bombs on January 6th, the first of which was found minutes earlier at the Republican National Committee headquarters, To this day, no one knows why Harris was delivered to the DNC that morning because she was supposed to be at the Capitol. Curiously, Harris's presence at the DNC building and in proximity to the alleged pipe bomb was never revealed. Politico reported 
the details of this. Quote, uncertainly about Harris's whereabouts as a mob breached the Capitol building briefly bubbled up in a handful of criminal cases that were connected to the January 6th insurrection. In dozens of indictments, the DOJ had erroneously described Harris as being present inside the Capitol during the attack and only recently discovered their error. DOJ has since issued numerous superseding indictments to correct the mistake. In other words, they lied. Even more curious, why has Harris never tried to milk public sympathy for her having been at the DNC headquarters less than 30 feet from what the FBI described as a viable explosive device that could have been detonated, resulting in serious injury and or death. The FBI on December 17th updated members of Congress on the status of the pipe bomb investigation. A staffer who sat in the briefing room said the FBI offered nothing more than a regurgitation of the old news and that members of Congress were quite aggravated about the lack of new information. So as Blaze Media, that that's Glenn Beck's network, and Steve Baker is part of the Blaze Media. They've learned and continue to investigate the FBI's description of the device as viable. And guess what? Now we know. That's a lie. Despite congressional aides having given this information to Blaze Media as part of their extensive Capitol video investigations into the DNC pipe bomb incident, they have not yet revealed the name of the Capitol Police plainclothes officer and how they came to know his identity. Their investigations continue. Blaze Media has much more soon to come in on that DNC pipe bomb story. We're pursuing answers to the following questions. One, how did the Secret Service fail to find a bomb prior to the vice president's arrival, a bomb that was seemingly purposely placed the night before in a manner in which it was meant to be discovered? Why did operators in the Capitol Police Command Center deliberately redirect CCTV cameras away from the DNC pipe bomb investigation and detonation? Why did a Secret Service agent and Metropolitan Police Department officer feel safe enough to finish their lunch before investigating the information they just got about a bomb located 15 feet away after a law enforcement officer told them about it and where it was? Was the DNC pipe bomb really a viable device? despite never-before-seen video evidence to the contrary. Now, globally, go back up. Let's go back up. Come with me up to the 30,000-foot level and look down on this. We have so many moving parts about what happened that day. We have thousands of Americans that have been investigated. There are files in the FBI headquarters on everybody that was in the proximity of any of the stuff that happened on January 6th. They know who you are. They know if you were there. And in many cases, they know what you did, but they're not worried about that like they say they are. Why would they be looking after everybody that was there? I mean, spending 
millions, if not billions of taxpayer money to find people, 99% of, who were there just to watch our government be the government, a representative republic, a trans transition from administrations one going to administration two. They were there for that. And by the way, that ground, the Capitol grounds, the White House, every building around it, it's partly owned by every one of those people that were there. This is the epitome, and this is why I'm doing this. This is the epitome of the operation of a totalitarian government. They, in cahoots with their media sycophants, they found that they don't have to just go straight to the truth and tell everybody the facts. Sometimes the facts show things that those people in power don't want the facts to show. And so they have to create a network of like-minded people that can put out whatever sounds good and whatever they can sell with their power to the American people. And they have the media, the media lapdogs, they foam at the mouth to be the first to get a story. And where do you get the best stories? You get them from inside the intelligence community because that's where everybody knows the evil exists. They're the ones that scout around and find the naysayers, the bad people. And if you're in media, you want to be number one to get all that. So when they tell you to do something, you're going to do it. Or they'll knock you down on the bottom of list of possible sources to go to and use. We think we live in a free country. More and more today, we're finding out that we really don't. And more and more today, we find out that if we, the people, don't get back involved at ground floor level, this thing, this plane is going to have a hard landing. And there'll be a bunch of us that won't survive the trip. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. 
Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? So, out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. I'm not one of those guys that needs to find a big, big, big thing to reveal and be first to reveal to the American people. I'm not. I'm very cautious, and I question everything I hear or see. Remember, our uh, founding mantra here at TNN Live was, just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. And just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean that it's wrong. Our commitment, it comes straight from my heart. I want to find the truth. I want to be able to make my decisions on everything based upon facts that I've verified. So there's a guy that's part of the uh, the mob, I'll call them the mob, the press people that get together every day for these White House press releases and uh, conferences that they have. And he's from Africa, Simon Atiba of Today's News Africa. He posted his thoughts on the aftermath of the Iowa caucuses and Donald Trump's huge victory, victory, obliterating Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. In fact, his 51% of support from the caucus goers, it is more than double Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis' results that day. It's a really big deal. Nikki Haley raised some eyebrows. You remember this at the end of the caucus? She said that the GOP primary, which is going to be the consensus that comes up, and I think we have five of them, the primary is now a two-person race after she came in third in the Iowa caucuses. And as social media thought about her math skills and the former ambassador defended her remarks, Another theory was floated about the true meaning behind her words, and that came from Simon Atiba of Today News Africa. He posted his thoughts on that incident on X, formerly Twitter, suggesting that Haley's line was not about former President Trump, who handily won the contest in Iowa. I would like to tell you something uncomfortable, a bitter truth, he said. This is Atiba. Anything else is a lie. Do not be deceived by propagandists, demagogues, and politicians who align them with the wind. He continued, she was referring to DeSantis and herself, not Trump. Why would she do that? He said, this is because in the back of everyone's mind here in D.C., Trump is too dangerous to become president again. And they won't let that happen at all costs. It is war. 
Atiba went on to note how Trump is seen as an existential threat to the nation. Well, probably he's wrong with that. An existential threat to democracy. Call that by the left, the deep state and the D.C. establishment, who got to stop him at all costs, like using the courts even. If that doesn't work, they might go further to the final option. And he said, I will refrain from mentioning it here. This is not about trying to understand the MAGA base and asking why do they love him. Is he talking about their concerns? Is he paying them the attention they need? Is he filling their needs? And in the other question that you asked to win over the electorate, he said, the the electorate, they believe who they believe. He went on to contend the country's facing three wars now, the media war to win over independence, the legal war to disqualify Trump, and the deep state war to reportedly save America from Donald Trump. These wars are going to happen at the same time, and the months ahead will be tumultuous, Atiba said. Remember, No politician can speak the truth and survive. I never heard of that, but that is deeply true. For thousands of years, the people who have spoken the truth have often been philosophers, poets, and thinkers, people who weren't running for any office and didn't need the approval of the public. This is because the public often rejects the truth when it contradicts their beliefs for they prefer the comfort of illusions over the discomforts that come from reality. Wow. So, he's confident that the presidential race and the vice presidential race will not include Donald Trump. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. But you got to consider things. So now, how do I function listening to Atiba? He's not a stupid guy. He's been around this business, even though he's from Africa, he's been around this business in the United States a long time. And he's coming to the U.S. having a foundation of the other side of the operations of government. And then he, boom, he drops into the United States and our political system that right now is in shambles. And what he talked about, he's seen it elsewhere. You remember James O'Keefe, the founder of O'Keefe Media now? He's discovered some secret facilities in Arizona that are being used today to house illegal alien migrants and then transport them across the country. He visited a former Nogales bank that has been converted into the headquarters of Elitis Angels. It's a nonprofit that works with the American Red Cross. So what's this all about? This is actually Elitis Angels, a local NGO, non-government organization, tax-free organization, where they have this sort of makeshift migrant facility The Alitos Angels NGO takes the migrants, walks them around the corner, and then loads them onto buses. O'Keefe has video that shows it all. There are buses bound for Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, 
Tucson International Airport, he says. Alitas Angels is reportedly a brand new nonprofit with no tax records on file. However, the nonprofit confirmed to one undercover journalist with O'Keefe's group that it's receiving federal money. Regarding the American Cross workers that are assisting Alitas Angels, O'Keefe said one got really temperamental with him. One American Red Cross worker got really belligerent with me, almost grabbed the camera and covered his badge so we couldn't see it. In one scene in the clip, O'Keefe could be seen lecturing American Red Cross worker for refusing to speak with him and answer his questions. I think that as a public official who's getting hundreds of millions of dollars in federal money, he began before he got cut off. Later in this clip, O'Keefe revealed how virtually nobody wanted to talk to him. The moment we showed up, they scattered incredibly like people with something to hide, locking doors, running away, hiding their badges in their vests. And of course, they also copped attitudes. One volunteer with American Red Cross who wouldn't give a name tried to prevent us from filming outside a migrant facility, kept sticking his hand over our cameras. Then when we questioned a volunteer with the NGO, she said, I am your father, and stormed off. Worse, the workers falsely accused him and his staff of being racist. The go-to thing. On everything, it seems like, right? Nogales police officers showed up, questioned us after elitists and Red Cross workers accused us falsely of using racial slurs and inhibiting their movement. We tried to get the officer's first name. He refused to give it. When we FOIA'd Freedom of Information Act, which you file a form, the body cam footage, we were told no Gallus police don't use them. Here at Red Cross is working right alongside elitists, putting illegal immigrants on buses, shipping them to a location in Tucson where they're then shipped to Phoenix Sky Harbor, he wrote. Also, the Red Cross are the first at child camps. They leave once an NGO is contracted. I was told that not only is the Red Cross facilitating illegal immigration, they're being paid to do so by the federal government, specifically the Department of Homeland Security, out of their FEMA budget. What the heck is going on? This information and reporting, it comes as millions of illegals continue to stream across our southern border. We, we have to talk about this every day. It's unconscionable to almost every American. Our government, our president, his cabinet members, those in the Department of Justice, and many of the other intelligence agencies that supposedly work for us, and every one of them makes commitments to enforce the legally passed laws of the land. And when they're confronted, it's like, no big deal. It all goes down to one thing. If you cross into the United States illegally, you're a criminal, period. And if you enhance or open up or help any one of those people to come across the border, you're guilty of the same crime. Federal law. We've printed it here, the law. 
We've talked about it here. We've had experts on illegal immigration tell us the stories. None of this would be happening. Not one bit of it would be happening if this president would just enforce the laws. And because he's not, he thinks he's going to get a pass through it. If our election runs legitimately in November and the people's voices, the ones that literally voted and voted legally, if that is allowed to happen, the illegal actions in mass on Joe Biden's watch, with it, that implicates him, and Alejandro Mayorkas is the author of this process, we're going to find out this is probably the most lawless actions ever in the United States and certainly the only incidents like this in the United States that happened by members in our federal government. The sad thing about that is that you can't go back and fix and undo the horrors that they have perpetrated on millions of Americans. Just the lawlessness alone. The hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of Americans that have been hurt, maimed, many killed because of the actions that Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, not personally did themselves, but allowed to happen, even encouraged these things to happen. Kids, children have lost their lives. We have, we have thousands of kids that came in, unaccompanied minors, put in the system, turned over to these NGOs that are being paid millions of tax dollars to place these kids in different circumstances around the nation to people and organizations that will take care of them all on the federal dollar. Thousands of those kids have been, they're missing. They don't even know where they are. It's almost like we don't even need to talk about it. It's kind of like, okay, what's next? That's the way I feel sometimes. So we have this election going on, and we have experts in media that every day they tell us what facts are, and they try to change our minds for whatever reason or reasons. Journalist Megyn Kelly, formerly of Fox News, a lawyer, a really good reporter. Her podcast is watched by thousands every day. Well, Megyn weighed in yesterday with a prediction on Donald Trump's potential running mate, saying, this is Megyn saying, that she knows how Trump thinks. I have no idea how she would know that. She was on the Rubin Report yesterday. Kelly suggested Trump may go with the controversial choice for VP if he doesn't go to jail. When she said that, I, I looked up. Let me repeat that. She said that Trump may go with a controversial choice for vice president if he doesn't want to go to jail. Is it out of the realm of possibility that he chooses Nikki Haley? She asked that to the host, Dave Rubin. 
and she was referring to former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, who placed third in the Iowa caucuses. Absolutely not. It's not. I realize that MAGA doesn't want it. They've convinced themselves that Nikki Haley is against all the things that they stand for. The host of the Megyn Kelly Show said, Megyn, talking to Dave Rubin, he personally really must win if he doesn't want to go to jail, she said. If that's your situation, I think you might be thinking, MAGA is going to get over Nikki Haley if I tell them to get over Nikki Haley. I know for a fact that's how Trump thinks, Megyn Kelly asserted. Rubin said, I could not agree more. When I see all these people that are suddenly like, no, he'll never do that, and or I won't vote for him if he chooses Nikki, it's like you'll do what Trump kind of tells you to do. That's Dave Rubin Wigan. And by the way, in disclosure, Dave Rubin is a in-the-tank Ron DeSantis supporter. He went on to speculate that a Trump-Haley ticket would also anger former Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who's been quite vocal about his disdain of the former South Carolina governor. Tucker said this, Nikki Haley is not a conservative. How many Republican primary voters support the wave of illegal immigration that is currently destroying our country? Not many do, but Nikki Haley does. That's Tucker. Dave Rubin warned, and you hear him on our show regularly, he's he's got a good mind, and he, like many of us, every once in a while, we choose to go down a, a direction that other people that are normally like-minded with us agree with. Sometimes Dave doesn't do that. He warned that if Trump were to go with Haley as his VP pick, Tucker Carlson might actively campaign against him. But Megyn Kelly didn't see it that way. She said, I think he's going to come home to Trump, she said. I think he's going to do it under protest. Now, just keep in mind, these are media people. These aren't even people in the government. Yes, they have access. I have access to certain people in our government in different levels. Any good journalist does. But those people often, even though they're plugged in, and they see far more and learn far more than you or I ever possibly could. Sometimes they get it wrong. This is, uh, let me tell you this. I think, and when they say that, you just need to default to your opinion bucket and be ready to throw what they tell you. When they follow up their words, I think, that means they don't know. They're not certain. They have an opinion. Nothing wrong with opinions. Nothing at all. You know, we talk about these bad policy issues that any government does when you've got a president in office. They can't get things right 100% of the time. You just can't do it. There are too many moving parts, and uh, a government, anybody in government, has only so much brains and time to get involved in every issue. So they rely on others. This is one of those issues. The New York Stock Exchange withdrew a proposal. They want to turn it into a rule that would pave the way for natural asset companies. I'll get into that in just a minute. What's a, a NAC, natural 
asset company. He wanted to pave the way for those companies to become a new type of financial product. This is according to the SEC, the people that would know about it. They, the SEC, had been considering a New York Stock Exchange proposal to allow these NACs, natural asset companies, to be listed and traded on the New York Stock Exchange, a policy that would permit American lands and ecosystem services to serve as the basis for one of this brand new novel financial products. It's almost like you can bet on it. (laughs) Throw in some money, and if it gets better, more people bought into it after you did, you make money that way. Well, the stock exchange announced Wednesday that they, the stock exchange, had withdrawn this proposal, ending the potential privatization of America's public lands and associated risk for energy and national security, at least for the time being. Now, what does all this mean? They're going to sell your guess or their guess or some other person's guess They're going to sell the right to bet on them. This one's going to work. This is going to become more valuable. This is uncanny. The SEC's notice of their withdrawal of the support didn't specify the reasons that motivated them to abort its effort to bring these NACs to market. The stock exchange had partnered with the Intrinsic Exchange Group, IEG, for a profit company backed by interest, including the Rockefeller Foundation, to advance this NAC proposal. So when you hear stuff like this, you know there's always going to be money behind it. Follow the money. Well, you get to the Rockefeller Foundations, one of the most active and filthy rich foundations in America. So now we know that. What's going on? So after reviewing feedback from government regulators and market participants and other folks, the New York Stock Exchange said this, we have withdrawn our proposed rule filing to enable the listing of national asset companies, a spokesperson said. We appreciate the work of Intrinsic Exchange Group, which approached us with the idea of creating this new asset class, as well as those who took time to study this proposal and share their views with us. You know what the bottom line is for this? This is exposing. This kind of process, we think automatically when we hear New York Stock Exchange, that's the Bible. Everything that they do and tell us, we can't counter it. We can't reject it. It's facts. I do remember a couple of times in American history where those policies from the SEC and other big-time economic experts gave us advice. They created things. They made choices to do things a different way, and it was all going to work out for the better. You remember those times where we bailed out major corporations that were doing very sketchy things? They were doing no more than what this rule would have done, throwing the dice putting money in these deals that's not their money, trading 
little pieces of air. That's literally what it would be, a promise written down on a piece of paper and actually selling those little pieces of paper to people out there that are going to buy it and hope that the value of that little piece of paper goes up. This is the environment of our financial institutions right now. As we watch and we experience the demise of our financial structure as American citizens, they will not give us the true facts of how much how much of the inflation that was instigated solely by Joe Biden and his policies how much it has really impacted our economy and living in this economy for the average american citizen we know it's bad way 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 bad we've known that for a long time and yet It's like, if you don't talk about it, it means it's not real. (laughs) And so Joe and his economic gurus in the government, they don't even want to talk about it because they don't want to have to answer these things. Only reason I dropped this in here is this kind of stuff is going on. It's very seldom that we get a -a peekaboo to see what's there. But just knowing it's there, it makes my, my alarm go off in my head when I hear about it. They're trying to gain control of more and more of our economy, and they want to do it without us knowing about it. Well, have you wondered where your vice president is and what she's doing today? She's, the last week or two, she stepped more into the public eye, and she's out there meeting with people and talking to people. She did something yesterday I think you might laugh at. That's next. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you could see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee. Signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's. 
And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I don't remember a time in politics in my life in the U.S. when there was such a big deal about a change of administration. Now, there's always, you know, a month or two, three, maybe four, sometimes even six months, where the controversy surrounding an administration that's in office about changing, going to somebody else. But now, I guess in the last eight to 10 years, we've made that process. It lasts for two or three years. It's like when they have an election a couple of months later, they take off two months, but then they start planning for the next one and it dominates the news. In fact, it exhausts a lot of people so much that people quit paying attention to what they're talking about on the radio and television and publishing in newspapers every day. It's the same old stuff. SOS. Well, Kamala, Kamala Harris, our vice president, she's really lived the last two and a half or three years in a closet. I think literally they don't let her talk to anybody because she messes up worse than, believe it or not, President Biden does. So Kamala Harris is now out there. For some reason, they pushed her out, and I think it's because they don't want Joe going and doing speeches and stuff. What are people out in America, what do they think about her? Democrats prefer not to see her name in the headlines. They don't want her out there. Nothing good comes from the spotlight ever focusing on Kamala Harris. She's committed one racist blunder that's going to put your jaw on the ground. You're not going to believe this. Panic set in on the left when New York Times, Siena polls of Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin showed Donald Trump winning 22% of the black vote. That's unheard of. We've never seen it before. Trump picked up the support of 12% of black voters in 2020, nearly doubling that support represented an extinction level event for Joe Biden and the Democrat at the times Siena polls also found Trump leading Biden in all six states. Joe Biden and his handlers, they could have chosen the course correct and abandoned their policies that alienated black voters. Support for open borders, work ideology, soft on crime policies, socialist spending that triggered inflation. He could have gone away from that. But instead, he sought to win them back through a clumsy appeal to identity politics. That's why on the day after Christmas, Kamala Harris went on a posting spree and she was celebrating the made-up holiday. You've heard about it. We didn't start hearing about it till a few years ago. What is it? Kwanzaa. She tweeted out, Happy Kwanzaa to all those celebrating. Doug and I, that's her husband, hope your week is filled with community and light. I'm not a stupid person, but I don't understand what community and light really means. Anyway, Harris was born 1964, claimed Kwanzaa, which Malana 
Ron Karinga invented back in 1966. Kwanzaa. According to Harris, Kwanzaa played an integral role in her life growing up. She said, growing up, Kwanzaa was always a special time where we would come together to celebrate our culture, our community, and of course our family. Sending my warmest wishes to all who are celebrating in the United States and around the world. May your days be filled with love and light. That was VP Harris. Ron Karinga and Kwanzaa have, as the leftist fond of saying, a problematic history. Listen to this. Ron Karinga, the founder of, Con- of, of a Kwanzaa, who the Indianapolis Recorder reported was hostile to Christianity. He started Kwanzaa because he falsely saw Christianity as a white religion. But Rod Karinga wasn't just a racist. He was also a criminal with a history of violence against women. Uh Uh-oh. In 1971, a jury convicted him of brutally torturing two women. Investigators said the women were held at gunpoint, forced to disrobe, and were beaten. It's from the Los Angeles Times. Deborah Jones, who once was given the Swahili title of an African queen, said she and Gail Davis were whipped with an electrical cord, beaten with a karate baton after being ordered to remove all their clothes. When they denied it, allegedly they were beaten with an electrical cord and a hot soldering iron was put in Miss Davis's mouth and against her face. Jones told a jury that one of her own big toes was tightened in a vice. Karinga, head of U.S., also put detergent and running hoses in their mouths. Identity politics is turning into a political loser for Dems. The vice president is touting Kwanzaa, and she knew nothing about its founder or what went on. It's becoming the hobby horse of college-educated white voters. It's forcing a realignment in American politics on educational status as opposed to race. Kamala Harris can't handle that. Anytime she can't answer a question, she's got to pontificate it around it. And what's her go-to? She makes it, her response to whatever she's asked at the time. It's all about racism. Her feet of clay in trying to pivot to appeal to black voters based on outdated appeals that would play a well in a faculty lounge room is emblematic of the dilemma that she faces. And therefore, the left is facing that. So put that in the perspective of what they're saying they're going to do. They're going to run Joe Biden and Kamala Harris again. I'm just one of those guys, folks. I got to tell you, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think Joe's going to be the guy. I think there will be a Democratic other person to run for president that the Democrat Party is going to put behind all their resources. I still think it's going to be Miss Obama. I know I'm not being politically correct when I call her Miss Obama. 
gosh, I told you when we started the show, there are so many missing or moving parts in this entire conversation. It's exhausting to try to keep up with. Here's another one. Daily Caller reporter James Lynch is breaking down Kevin Morris's alleged role in Hunter Biden's finances. You know who Kevin Morris is. His name has just recently come out to the public purview. He's a multimillionaire. He represents a bunch of people. He's a lawyer and represents a bunch of people in Hollywood. And he's got a lot of money in his hands. And he's spending it, a lot of it, on Hunter Biden. James Lynch, Daily Caller reporter, he broke down Wednesday the role that Hunter Biden's financier, Kevin Morris, has played, calling Morris a central character to this Biden saga. Lynch appeared on Daily Caller editorial director Vince Cogliani's radio show, and he detailed his investigative reporting on Hunter's ongoing legal issues. The radio host walked the reporter through his understanding of Morris's role within Biden's finances, questioning if Morris used Biden's art to quietly forgive his debt owed to the IRS from 2019. So we're going to come up with a scheme here, and the scheme is this. You're going to create art. You're going to make a bunch of art, and we're going to put it up for auction. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy it. I'll buy it from you, and instead of exchanging cash, I'll just forgive your debt through all of this artwork, and the problem will be solved. I know, James, as a reporter, you can only go so far in terms of your conclusions here, but boy, that sure seems like what I'm staring at, he said. I know James, as a reporter, talking about Uncle James, Jim, President Biden's younger brother, said, I know James as a reporter. You can only go so far in terms of your conclusions here, but boy, that just seems like what I'm staring at. Hunter allegedly owed the IRS over a million bucks due to overdue taxes in 2019 after he moved to California, hiring an accountant to prepare both his personal and corporate returns. Details of his tax saga were released, you'll remember, after IRS whistleblowers Joe Ziegler and Gary Shapley spoke to Congress, handed over documents to the House Ways and Means Committee. That happened in December. Lynch continued to say Coglianese's theory was not only very feasible, but Morris had allegedly helped Hunter just before the Democrat primaries. Lynch pointed out that because of the IRS whistleblower's testimony, Morris had been aware of the risks surrounding Biden's overdue taxes, urging Hunter's accountant to file and pay them off just before primaries were heating up. Now, this is coming from court documents. That appears to be a very feasible theory, given that Hunter Biden's art dealer believes Morris did, in fact, use the art to help Hunter pay off the debt that he owed Morris for the loans that you talked about. And in terms of Morris helping out Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's presidential campaign, which was a major liability at the time, there are emails now, thanks to the IRS whistleblowers, showing that Kevin Morris was well aware 
of the risks surrounding Hunter's overdue taxes and was urging Hunter Biden's accountant to make sure that they got those filed and they got those taxes paid. This happened in early December, excuse me, in early 2020 as the Democrat primaries were heating up. There was renewed scrutiny being paid on Hunter Biden because of his business dealings and because of his debauchery and his lifestyle. But Morris was well aware of what he was doing. The IRS whistleblowers believed that there was kind of a campaign finance component to what Morris was doing for Hunter. And we know from the IRS whistleblowers that Jim Biden, Hunter Biden's uncle, business associate, thanked Morris on behalf of the family for what he did for Hunter. The reporter, Coglianese, pointed out another aspect of Lynch's investigations, highlighting that Hunter had additionally owned an equity stake in a Chinese firm as his father became president. The radio host emphasized that Biden continued to own that stake in his father's presidency. He kept it. Lynch confirmed that when Hunter divested his investment, Kevin Morris appeared to have taken on the stake in the Chinese firm. A little quid pro quo, you think? Hunter, well, you know, we'll come up and I'll do these art pictures and when they sell, uh, we'll create a company here and Kevin, when the money comes in, I'll just give you ownership in the Chinese firm. He's a pretty central character at this point, this Kevin Morris. He was sitting right next to Hunter, and he's even filming documentaries about Hunter Biden's life. So Morris is a very important figure, a lesser-known figure in the entirety of the Hunter Biden and the Biden family syndicate saga. Now, what about the art gallery? They, they are the ones that made the deals happen. Hunter's art gallerist, a guy named George Burgess, testified in the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees in January. They detailed Biden's connection to Morris by using an $875,000 art sale to pay back a loan debt owned to the financier, according to a transcript. Burgess claimed in his testimony that Biden knew Morris had purchased his art because of the debt payment arrangement that was agreed upon between the two. That money went to Morris. Hunter Biden additionally had not sold any of his artwork until Joe Biden was in office. Entering into a contract in 2020 with Burgess through an introduction set by Hollywood producer and Democrat donor Lynette Phillips. This is in a letter Burgess's attorney sent to the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. Biden has since been hit with federal tax charges. He pleaded not guilty during an arraignment in Los Angeles. Hunter additionally pleaded not guilty in October to separate federal judge gun charges after purchasing a firearm in the middle of his debauchery period when he was battling drug addiction. This just keeps circling and circling and coming back around. It's uncanny. All the pieces and the um, conspiracies all go away and they just turn into this living, breathing creature 
that is about to drag Hunter Biden into jail. Don't think that's not going to happen. And everybody needs to understand, if Joe Biden turns up not to be on the Democrat Party ticket as their representative in the presidential election, before he would agree to that, you can book it. There will be an agreement of exoneration for Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, oh, by the way, and President Biden will be inked and will be in a locked-up, hard commitment, legal document. Joe Biden, if he's forced to step down, he'll never do it unless he gets freedom and liberty and no problems regarding any of this, a commitment from whoever's going to be the person that follows him in the White House. I'm serious. That's another reason why they've got to do anything and everything they can possibly do to keep Donald Trump from being in the White House again. If Trump gets back in and is elected, when he gets back in charge, any deals that have been cut or put together regarding this stuff will be negated. You think you experience periods in your life of desperation? We all have. But think about what this will will do to the members of the Biden family. Talk about far-reaching and involving everything. So far, you know, now it's just a thought this might happen. When all of it was put in play, they thought it would never be uncovered. In fact, the owner of Burisma, he bragged about Nobody would be able to track down any of this money that was being paid surreptitiously and the way it was paid. He said it would take years for law enforcement people to uncover it because they so professionally put it in play. This is so much evil. It's hard to even believe any of it. But yet, piece by piece, layer by layer, Joe Biden and those involved in this are being exposed We can't feel sorry for them. Maybe feel sorry that they would get caught in this conundrum, but they brought it on themselves. None of us had anything to do with it. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select, as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. Before we get away today, 
something I, I need to ask all of you to do over this weekend. I got a call from Steve Baker. This latest story regarding that uh, pipe bomb, alleged pipe bomb that was uncovered at uh, the headquarters of the DNC. When he released this story with the proof this week that the DOJ lied about it all, they they threw about a, a cycle of two or three people sent word to Steve. They are trying to find ways to prosecute him. They were going to try to put him in jail just to shut him up. So if you would, when you think about it during the weekend, say a prayer for Steve Baker.